Howdy, alrighty. Welcome, everybody. This is part two of our series, The Myth and Miracle, here we go, of Dating, Sexuality, and Marriage. Who was here last week? Can you give me a bit of an idea who was here last week? Fantastic. Welcome those who would join us. Can I encourage you to get online and have a listen to part one of this series? You would have got this on your way in. Did everyone receive one of these? If not, just put your hand up and some of our team will come and serve you right now if you didn't get one. We're not using this right now, by the way, but I just wanted to bring this to your attention um, to take this away. This will help understand, we talked about this last week, help you understand yourself so much better if you do these exercises. There's exercises on the front and also on the back. And so exercise one, it says to write a paragraph on each of the following. Who is the most important person in your life and why? What is the one dream for your life you most look forward to achieving? This goes back to week one, part one of our series. You might remember in regards to this topic, exercise two, to share and discuss your answers um, to the above with a family member. On the back, on the back, I don't have a back on mine, but uh, there's more exercises there to do. Take that piece of paper away and will help you understand yourself so much better um, as you prepare yourself, if, of course, if you were to go and um, uh, connect with somebody, start dating and courting and entering into a future uh, relationship with somebody. Hey, how about we pray? Let me pray before we get into this. Heavenly Father, we thank you. What a beautiful time we've had of song already. Thanks for this rain. You're a God of provision. And you provide for us in so many ways, and we've already celebrated that uh, part of uh, you know the, your, your provision here already tonight. We're thankful for that, and we pray God that you will continue to speak um, to our hearts on this on this particular subject tonight as we continue to open your word. Your word is alive. Your word is active, and that you would speak into those places we need you to speak the most. I pray for each and every heart gathered here. You know us so intimately. You're intimately acquainted with all of our ways, your word says, and so that you would have your way in and through our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. Well, just a recap from last week, if you've got your smartphones or uh, you're taking notes, feel free to do that now, because uh, I'd like to do a little recap of last week and kind of start the first part of my message, continuing on dating before I move into sexuality tonight. Um, we kind of asked the question, well, first of all, will I ever get married? If so, who will that be? And how am I going to get there? And so we, we, we landed on that the Bible says a lot about this particular subject, believe it or not. It says a lot, and we worked through what the Bible had to say. We busted a few myths, you might remember, yeah? We busted a few myths. We looked at five major areas of life, and we called them compatibilities. And the more that you can deal with these areas before you get into a serious relationship, before you get into marriage, the happier you will be in marriage but also the more God-honoring it's going to be. And so we looked at five compatibilities. Just yell it out if you can remember one of the compatibilities we talked about last week to help those who weren't here. Very good. A spiritual compatibility. That was the first one. Very good. Anyone remember any others? Life. What was that one? Life purpose. Very good. Life purpose. Another person? Communication. Yes, communication. Did I hear emotional health as well? Very good. And I think one more. Strong character. Fantastic. We had a few people who were listening. That's awesome. Good job. You still got the notes from last week. <laughs> 
Well done, well done. Um, Can I just also, first, before I go any further, if you're exploring the Christian faith here and you're reasonably new to Christianity, um, welcome. So good to have you here. We love uh, how you've chosen to explore life and Jesus and church and what this all means. And um, uh, this may not make a lot of sense to you where are we going tonight but can I just encourage you to hang in there with us because there are fantastic principles that I think I think affect all of us in some way or another whether you're a Christian or not and they're fantastic for our own personal well-being and so thanks for being here it's great to have you here um Last week, um, I'm going to move on now. I, I talked about this idea. I think I did touch, touch on this. It's about physical attraction, the importance of physical attraction. Is it important or not when it comes to dating? And so um, does it really matter? And if you think about this longer, this is not an easy question to answer. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to answer it from a yes perspective and also from a no perspective. What I mean by that is I think this particular uh, question deserves an answer that goes like this. Does physical attractiveness matter when it comes to point, uh, figuring out who you're going to live your life with? I think the answer is this. It is subjective. Some of you kind of go, what does that word mean? Subjective means this. It's based on personal feelings. There is no universal truth to this particular question Um, because it depends on who you are you see who's attractive to me may not be attractive to you and vice versa you understand where I'm going with this talk to me yeah so it depends on who you are I will answer it this way from Katherine Johnson who wrote the book lucky in love where she researched 100 married couples who had enjoyed decades of happiness together, and she was quite surprised through her research what she found. It's up on the screen, it says this. This is a major force, physical attraction. This is a major force in stabilizing and enriching a relationship over the decades. A strong sense of attraction to one another during courtship And trying to maintain that during the course of a marriage, she says, is extremely important. Okay, that's on the side of the yes. Let's go on the side of the no. All right, feel free to say, Steve, you're sitting on the fence. That's okay, I'll take that for tonight, because this is not an easy one to answer. Culture, the world in which we live, teaches us the number one thing you need in marriage is to be sexy, to be good-looking, or to be beautiful. You see... They teach us, culture teaches us, if you marry somebody who's attractive, your marriage is going to be great and you are going to be happy forever. Now, if that is true, marriages that should last longest are Hollywood marriages because they're all very good looking. And that's why I've called this particular point the Hollywood myth. It's a Hollywood myth. Um... All you need is those romantic feelings and that sexual attraction. But as we talked about last week, it's not enough. It's not enough to build a marriage on. You are not, wait for it, you are not going to stay sexy forever unless you are Joel Ratcliffe. <laughs> For those who are new, Joel's just uh, a real pillar around. He's just an awesome guy. We love him to bits, and uh, he knew I could have a bit of a fun there. All right? 
Is that all right with the whole physical attraction thing? Can I move on from that? You get the idea, right? You get the idea. Yes and no. Yes and no. I call it a Hollywood myth. I'm going to stay right there. (laughs) The question tonight, I'm going to move on from this. Kind of still around the dating kind of theme for the moment anyway. The question we want to engage here tonight is is this. Why... We got the screen. Here we go. Why, as Christians, is sex for married people only? There we go. I've said it. Let's take those Sunday masks off. Let's talk about this particular subject. But before we do, because if you're a part of Door of Hope, you know that this is where we land on this particular subject. We believe what the Bible teaches us, which we're going to open again tonight. But we also understand, as a Door of Hope, as a church, as a Christian church gathering of people, that this is a very, very difficult message in our culture who just don't agree or practice this anymore. This is an awkward topic to talk about, especially for parents. I've been talking about this topic for a long time in regards to pastoring with people, um, but it can be awkward. Um, and I understand that, but in a way, I want to I kind of speak over us truth tonight, but also about this awkwardness that I pray awkwardness would come off of this subject. Awkwardness would come off a parental to young person relationship that we should be able to. We should be able to talk openly and honestly about this, but it's still a little awkward. I understand that. And so to manage this powerful area of your life well, we have to look at the origin of sex to ask, well, where did it come from? Why does it exist? Why does sex possess such power for good, but also for harm? And what is the ultimate meaning and purpose of this? (sighs) I'm going to go a little deep just for a few moments, just for three or four minutes, right? Because I really think each of us need Uh, if you haven't already, we need a theology of sex. What I mean by that is the origin of of where it originated, where it originated from. We need a theology of sex. We need to understand this well. And a clear-cut answer immediately, I would say, comes from our Creator God. It comes from creation. Um, The way in which God created us. Because we can't understand ourselves and sexuality without fully understanding the nature of God. Because our sexuality, come with me, if you can hang in here for four or five minutes, I'll try to do it quicker. I'm giving us a very quick understanding of of our theology of sex, all right? And so it goes like this. Our sexuality flows out of the divine nature of God himself. Gender is a reflection of the very nature of God. I want to be very clear and say this. God is not sexual. He is eternal. The correct theological understanding of our great God is He is eternal. Eternal. He is not sexual. Our sexuality came from Him. Um, you and I were created from a God from all eternity and has experienced and lived in intimacy through what you call the Trinity. Have you heard of the Trinity? The Trinity, because this is key. This is key to our understanding of what and where our sexuality comes from because we've been created for an experience of everlasting intimacy. 
everlasting intimacy. You read the book of uh, Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5, take that home for a little bit of homework, around about verse 25. Ephesians 5:25. I talked about that a little bit this morning, I won't go into that. And so it's by creation, it's by a creator God that we are designed for spiritual intimacy, first of all, with God, the creator, and for physical intimacy, the one in whom we have chosen to live the rest of our life with that we are married to. Those two things, spiritual intimacy, first of all, spiritual intimacy, this is our purpose to know God. Your purpose in life is to know God, to love Him, and to enjoy Him forever. That is spiritual intimacy. But there's also another form of intimacy that Creator God has blessed us with, and that is physical intimacy. By creation, once again, by creation, we have been designed for physical and emotional intimacy, and we experience experience these at many, many levels. For example, family life. Uh, friendship and this idea of sexual intimacy is the highest physical counterpart um, the, the, the equal and so God built, God built our physical sexuality on the model did you get that? God built our physical sexuality on the model of spiritual intimacy the same way an intimate relationship with Jesus, that spiritual intimacy with God through His Son, Jesus, <clears throat> changes you, it changes your life forever, but so does sexual intimacy. I'm going to speak about the change later on if we get there tonight. It's body and soul. So to understand our sexual intimacy, we have, to understand, uh, we have to understand the intimacy between the triune God, Trinity, three in one, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. This prof- I can't stress enough. This is profoundly important because this is where our intimacy comes from. The Bible teaches, I'm nearly done. I'm gonna get out of this and get a bit more practical in a moment. Stay there. Because the Bible teaches us that God is a Trinity, not a lonely singularity. You see, he's a trinity of distinguishable persons, yet so intimate in relationship as to share indivisible substance. I know that's a mouthful. Hang in there. Summary, one God, three persons. He's not isolated. He's not disconnected. He is intimate. Three in one. The theological term for this is perichoresis. Perichoresis. I knew I was going to stuff that up. Perichoresis, which means being in one together. <laughs> I'm going to leave it at that. Let, that. let that simmer. Have a think about that. Take that away. And by the way, if you'd like to know any more in regards to that, can I encourage you to do one of our courses that we operate? This is where I'm learning this from. Um, the Valiant Man course, the Woman to Woman, some of our Care Force courses really speak into this. So we'll search for life. Valiant Man Paul's here tonight. Fantastic. Um, and so I want to move on from that. That's kind of just a sh- such a brief insight to the theology of sex, but it's important because I'm going to keep mentioning it a little bit as we keep going. Is that all right? Are you with me tonight? Fantastic. I'm going to speak a little bit more now practically in regards to our purity, how we treat people in our relationships and what we will, we, what we will do 
and also what we won't do. I'm going to take it from the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and if you know the history of this church, that is mess, it is messed up. Um, uh, it is pretty full on. It's dangerous what they are dealing with. And Paul is writing to the church to lead them to a higher standard. Everyone say higher standard. Higher standard. Paul is writing to the church to lead them to a higher standard. And guess what? I'm writing to you, to, well, sharing with you tonight to also to encourage you in your life to a higher standard. But let's read what Paul has to say to the church. He says this. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. I have a key thought for us to consider tonight as we move into this journey that we're on. And it's this. If we can go to the next slide, please. Key thought says this. God's approach to sex isn't trying to save you from something bad. God's approach to sex is trying to introduce you to something better. Something better. Absolutely. So before we go any further, I want to say this, that God is not against sex. What was the first commandment to the human race? Very good, to be fruitful and multiply. Somebody was listening this morning. To be fruitful and to multiply. And so marriage and sex is a gift from God the Creator and can be one of the greatest pleasures and gifts in your life. So once again, God is not against sex, but what He is against is sexual immorality, what we've just read, right? Well, what's sexual immorality? I've got an understanding for us on this. It says this, right? Sexual immorality is this. Is any kind of sex outside of the covenant of marriage. And so, kind of wrap this part up, is that the gift of sex is something God has reserved for marriage and that God is, isn't trying to save you from something bad. He's trying to introduce you to something better. And so tonight... I'm simply asking you to wait, waiting on something that is amazing, to wait on something that is holy and to wait on something that it will be a great big blessing in your life. But I want to start with a story. Thank you, lights. Story. This story is made up but is very real, and it goes like this. Once upon a time, boy meets girl. Boy thinks girl is pretty. Girl thinks boy is cute. Boy thinks girl smells good. Girl doesn't really think boy smells good. Boy asks girl on date. Girl says yes. Boy saves up his money. Boy takes girl out. Boy feels pressure to kiss girl because if boy doesn't kiss girl, boys will make fun of boy at school. Boy gets up the nerve. Boy kisses girl. 
doesn't go great. But they think they'll get better. Boy and girl get better. Boy and girl kiss lots. Boy's hands get bored. Boy's hands goes exploring. Boy and girl do more than what they thought. Boy and girl end up doing what married couples do. Girl gets jealous. Another girl likes boy. Boy gets mad because girl gets jealous. Boy breaks up with girl. Girl is devastated. Girl meets another boy and does it all over again. Boy meets another girl and does it all over again. And they do this multiple times until one day, boy meets the girl and girl meets the boy. But they have so much baggage when they get married that boy and girl are sad because they brought more baggage into the marriage than they thought they would. I'm not going to do too much longer here tonight at all because I feel we're going to become um, a little vulnerable tonight. We might go a little bit longer than normal, um, so hang in. If you do have to leave, feel free, but we might go a little bit longer than normal because we're going to have some time of worship. I'm going to invite the team just in a moment to come and to lead us in songs because I think with what's been shared and said in terms of um, our sexual intimacy and spiritual intimacy, physical intimacy uh, and spiritual intimacy, I'm inviting us, and by the way, that doesn't always mean sexual intimacy. The word intimacy doesn't always mean sexual. Um, I'm inviting us to, to experience spiritual, without going weird, spiritual intimacy um, tonight. So before we do, before we do, can I just give you another key thought? It's this, check this out. If you want what few people have, you will have to do what few people are willing to do. What I mean by that is this. Romans chapter 12 says, don't, verse 2, Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a what? A new person. Thank you, Noel. By changing the way you what? Think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is what? Good. It's pleasing and it's perfect. What's God's will for your life? It is what? It is good. It is pleasing and it is perfect. If you want to know what God's will for your life is, go to God and he will tell you those three things. I believe with all my heart that our good, good God as I've just been dripped on. <laughs> doesn't matter. Who cares about you? He cares about you. Um, recognizes the decisions that you make today actually impact your life tomorrow and he has something way way better for you than what most people are settling for and so as paul wrote to the church in rome he says don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world but let god change the way in which you think 
And as he changes the way you think, he'll bring about that hope and that transformation into your life. And here's what I want to do just to finish off tonight. I want to bring three areas of your life, and I'm going to challenge you tonight, as Paul challenged the church in Corinth, to challenge you in three areas of your life to lift your standard in, to go to a higher standard in. The first area is this, that I will have a higher standard on who I will see, who I will date, who I will go out with. That's the first standard I want to help you lift your standards in, a higher standard, because the standard answer in high school is that I will date somebody who's cute, funny, or popular. You see, a higher standard would think above that before you are cute, funny, and popular. The first thing we talked a bit about this last week, so I won't go too much in it, the first thing we've got to consider is that you'll be a follower of Jesus. You'll be a follower of Jesus. Remember that spiritual compatibility is so, so important. Second Corinthians, once again, don't become partners with those who reject God. How can you make a partnership out of right and wrong? That's not partnership. What does it say? That's war. Now, don't forget, as I said last week, Jesus was a friend of who? He was a friend of sinners. He's not, we're not saying that. The writer Paul is not saying that. We have to be friends of sinners, but don't become glued together with those who reject God. And so declare, declare tonight from this moment forward, I will have a higher standard on who I will see. Because if you want what, what, if you want what few people have, you will have to do what few people are willing to do. Number two, I will have a higher standard on what I will do, not just who I will see, on what I will do. 1 Peter, he put it this way, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. We kind of push back on that word a bit, don't we? That word holy, we kind of see everyone else, but I'm not holy. The reality is, you're right, we aren't holy in our own power. Christ in us leads us to live a holy life. What does the word holy mean, by the way? It means to be set apart, to be set apart, to be different. And so to have a higher standard on who I will see, who I will date, and what I will do. And so decide ahead of time to protect your purity, how you think, how you dress, how you talk, this is higher standards, I'm challenging you on this, how we behave and what we do in private. Because whatever happens in private eventually manifests itself and it comes out into public. I will have a higher standard on who I will see and what I will do. Number three, I will have a higher standard on what I will expect. What I will expect, and what I mean by this is taken from Ephesians chapter 3, says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine according to what? His power that is at work within us. And I believe with all my heart, I want to say to the next generation coming through here tonight to speak over to you, over your lives here tonight, that you are a special generation. I love your passion. I love your heart for God. I love how you connect with friends and with faith. I love your willingness to be different and to set that and to live that higher standard. Why? Because God wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you've ever thought, dreamed, asked, or imagined, which means you don't lower your standards. 
you raise your standards in this area of your life, that I will have a, a higher standard on what I will expect. What did Paul say? Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is what? Good, pleasing, and perfect we have a higher standard on who we're going to see what we're going to do and what i will expect this is what i'm going to do i'm going to finish up just in a moment and we're going to stand and sing but just before the, the the team come and lead us in a couple of songs together as we as we have that, that intimacy with god in song tonight i want to say this kind of give give you a bit of a carrot for next week i want to give you four thoughts four different thoughts i'm only going to do part of the first one tonight the four different thoughts about sex outside of marriage four different thoughts of this first of all outside of marriage you cannot have safe sex outside of marriage you cannot have safe sex what i mean by that is this what birth control i understand what you're saying but the bottom line is there is no birth control for your heart you cannot protect your heart and so brings me to the question is sex just a physical act here's what the culture has done to our thinking and to our mind it's taken sex out of context <laughs> you see here's the deal sex we're going to next slide please sex needs a context what i mean by that is this <clears throat> when you have sex in a certain context it goes much better there is greater joy and it goes to according to god's design we deal with context each and every day how do we start our day generally with a shower as i'm having right now <laughs> let's think about a shower just for a moment there's an enclosed space there's water involved there's shampoo involved and there is soap involved <clears throat> Then you walk out of the cubicle to dry your hair with a hairdryer. You're in a bathroom. You're looking in the mirror. You've got a brush. When you start mixing these two contexts together of water and electricity, getting where I'm going here, things become, start becoming very interesting immediately. But it's the same with sex. You take it out of its context, which culture is taken out of, things start to become dangerous very very quickly but everything um, in its context works extremely well and so sex has a context and the bible says that the context for sex is a relationship between a man and a woman who are married and committed to each other for life here's what here's why that may not make sense to you i'm happy to go there because many of us many of us grow up watching tv and we're watching movies <laughs> and we think we think because of what we see because of what culture has done to our thinking that sex is just physical can i suggest tonight is that the act of sex is more than just a physical act there's more than just our bodies are involved because our hearts are involved and when you give yourself away again and again and again you are hurting your soul and it's only until years later 
that we start to understand that. What's the other words? What's some other words that we could use to understand the act of sex? Well, we've already talked about, first of all, it's a physical act, isn't it? It's definitely emotional. It's an emotional act. And that's where I'm going to finish it tonight. Not even through that first point, and that's okay. Okay. 